Blog Talk Radio. Hello everybody, my name is Boss Rutten. Hi, this is Diego Lima. This is Rodrigo Compredo and you listen. And you guys are listening. So you are listening to the Verbal Submission. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Verbal Submission. It is Sunday, March 15th, 2015, and we have a fantastic show for you guys today. I'm Brian Hemming, your managing editor of MMAOddsBreaker.com, and our show is brought to you guys by Countermove, your home for fantasy MMA. Now, uh, we're going to be talking a lot of UFC 185 fallout today. We had a huge event last night where we had not one but two title changes And then, of course, in about one hour, 7.30 p.m., we're going to be talking to upcoming UFC Fight Night 62 fighter Tony Martin. He has a very interesting battle against Ultimate Fighter Brazil Season 2 winner Leonardo Santos. So we're really looking forward to talking to Tony again. And uh, without further ado, let's bring in my co-host for the evening, Richard Highlight Perry. Richard, how you doing tonight, man? I'm doing great. Still, uh, still recovering from uh, having a little bit too much to drink during the card last night, but uh, I'm I'm holding it together. Well, that's good to hear. Now, uh, speaking of holding it together, I was just wondering: were you able to compose yourself during all the crazy shenanigans that were happening with UFC 185? I mean, we started with, I believe, every single preliminary card about ending via stoppage. And then we had just some barn burners on the main card, including two title changes, as I mentioned earlier. So I'm assuming that Rafael Dos Anjos was your biggest shocker of the night, but I want to get your opinion first. Um, honestly, um, Dos Anjos, you, you kind of listen to some of the, uh, especially the people breaking down the um, the technicalities of, of, of the striking game. And um, he, Dos Anjos was a way bigger underdog than he should have been. Um, I was surprised that he was as dominant as he was. Um, but, you know, I wasn't at all surprised um, after training with uh, with Cordero at uh, King's MMA that um, Dos Anjos' hands and, uh, are just at another level compared to what he was, uh, oh, what, 19 fights ago? Yeah. This was, I think, his... I think this was his 18th or 19th fight in the UFC. That's the most fights that it's ever taken someone to become champion, which is pretty impressive, the the level of improvement that he's made throughout his career. Because I remember his first UFC fight. I, I, I watched it live. And I think, was that the one that he fought Jeremy Stevens, or was it the one that he fought uh, uh, Tyson Griffin? It was uh, Jeremy Stevens way back okay. in... Uh... Yeah. UFC 91. And, and, and he was beating Stevens and then just boom, uppercut from hell out of nowhere in the third round as he was starting to gas, knocked him the hell out. So the the progression that he's made to the point where he's knocking out Benson Henderson and then coming in here and not just beating Anthony Pettis, destroying Anthony Pettis. 
I mean, Anthony, Pe- Anthony Pettis didn't even come close to winning one round in that fight. I, 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 never, I, remember, I never would have expected that. I, I can't remember uh, a more lopsided um, title fight um, where, where the underdog ended up winning. Um, no. You know, you're for, missing for one. A you're missing one a year ago. Almost uh, the exact same it. scenario. T.J. Dillashaw, Hayden Barrow, huge underdog. That went to okay. a finish. This was a it was dominant a, It was decision. a fifth-round finish, though. I mean, he beat the shit out of him for five rounds dominant. Yeah, I, I, I lost... I lost four thousand dollars in my counter move game because of that, so I might have linked that out of my memory. Um, <laughs> but um, but uh, the last time a championship fight has been decided with such a clear, dominant, absolute one hundred percent victory for one fighter, I think it's probably Randy Couture versus Tim Sylvia. Um, most of the other title fights that have been that dominant had a finish. Mm-hmm. That's usually the case. Is when there's an underdog that wins, they usually get a stoppage. Um, because, you know, usually people are the favorite because they have the better overall skill set. So over the course of a decision, they should win. And you rarely see a guy come in as a huge underdog and win a decision. Uh, I mean, you just look at some of the biggest upsets of the last year. You know, Johnny Eduardo against Eddie Weiland just clips him and knocks him the hell out. Absolutely. Um, yeah, sorry, another, I had to another... mute myself because I was sneezing. Um, and, uh, another great fight from last night was Joanna Champion. We'll just say that. Um, uh, putting I know. Ab- I know how to say it. I know how to say it. Go it's ahead. Young Ch- it's Young Chechek. If you say so. Um, it is. I've learned. Putting- it's taken me three tries on the Premium Oddscast to get it right when we've uh, been talking about her. I mean, she was a special talent. I knew she was going to be really good in the UFC. Just if I don't know if you like watched anything that she did outside the UFC. Uh, oh, Richard, did you? Did. Okay, you saw her fight against Rosie Sexton. Yeah, she put a beating on yeah. Rosie. So at 125, you know, Rosie was fighting in the UFC at 135. So you you fights her and retires her just mauls her and and then she moves over to the UFC and she takes on two really solid fighters I mean Juliana Lima's no joke she's already got a win in the UFC since and then Claudia Gadelia in my opinion was probably the the best uh, women's strawweight in the world I, I thought Gadelia would beat Esparza if they fought for the title and Yedinchechek had just a incredible battle against her. Drops her late in the fight, and uh, and then she just gets this title shot and just brutalizes Carla Esparza. I mean, that was so. That was even one more one-sided than Dos Anjos because, I mean, I I knew that Esparza was not a very good striker, but I mean, I, I thought that maybe her wrestling. Could make that interesting. I mean, I picked Young Chechek, but I was concerned about as far as his wrestling. There were no concerns on Young Chechek's side. I mean, she stuffed everything. And the one time as far as I got her down, she popped up within like two seconds. It was incredible takedown defense. Like, this chick and, and, is phenomenal. And the more impressive thing is, uh, Joanna started 
MMA in uh, in 2012. Um, yeah. she, uh, she arguably has the fastest rise um, time-wise to a UFC title from the beginning of her career. I, I believe she's tied with John Jones for second, and um, only uh, Ronda Rousey is... Uh, is ahead of her in that in that ridiculously small window from um, from amateur to pro to just you know being the queen. What about, of what about Brock Lesnar? <sighs> Good point, um, <laughs> but I, I I don't hold that as as legitimate on the same level as as I do uh, as I do uh, Joanna and uh, Jones. I actually completely forgot about Lesnar, but. Um, <laughs> You got a title shot after what two and a half years, something like that. I don't know. It, it was only his like fourth fight. Yeah, but he, he put a lot of time between his fights. Um, but um, it's just an amazing rise um, to the top, and um, to get that good at wrestling after doing primarily Muay Thai um, and, and striking is just impressive beyond belief. Yeah. I mean, she is an incredible, incredible talent. And I think what what really surprises me, as you mentioned, is the fact that it's not like she came in there from a grappling background. She had to start from scratch. She was a Muay Thai kickboxer. You don't see Muay Thai kickboxers show up and just start taking out wrestlers. Like, usually they get humbled a few times first. But this girl is just destroying everyone. I mean, Carlos Sparza's ground game is legit. Her wrestling is fantastic. I mean, you saw it on display against Rose Namajunas. I mean, she obliterated Rose. I mean, just completely destroyed her. Like, Rose had no chance in that fight because she was just on her back, getting crushed the whole time, getting worn out, and uh, she just couldn't handle it. And then you have young Chechek just you know, just laughing almost at as far as his feeble takedown attempts, how how easily she was able to stop everything. It was crazy how, how good this girl is. And, and and you could see Carla almost break after the first round when she when yeah. she got a bunch of those takedown mm-hmm. stuff. Um it probably has never really happened to her. Um yeah. and and high level MMA where she wasn't able to at least you know, put the fight where she wanted to, she wanted it to take place. And uh, the one thing that I thought uh, was pretty crazy was um, you you got to look at the the contenders right now. Like, who's going to be fighting her? Like, they're trying to groom Paige Van Zant as like one of the next title challengers, just because you know she's so pretty. She's got the Reebok deal. She's fighting Felice in her next fight. I think if Carla was still the champ, they would have given Paige the next shot. I don't think they want to throw Paige in there against Young Chechek now. Not at all. Um, she like, would. She wouldn't be pretty just, no more. No, it would just not be enjoyable to watch. It would be a one-sided beating um, of an embarrassing degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, so, who do you think uh, ends up fighting for the uh, um, fighting Joanna uh, next? I already have my idea. Uh, Calderwood. Jo- Joanne um, Calderwood. After I, I she honest- wins her next fight, if she wins impressively, they do it. 
almost thinking the winner of um, uh, Godelha um, versus um, Isling Daly um, get the shot just because if they did a uh, Joanna um, Daly card uh, over in Europe, they would get a lot of interest in Europe for that. You really think that Asling Daly is going to beat Gedelia? Not at all. But, oh. but um, you know, I think if she wins that fight, or um, even if uh, Gedelia wins that fight, it makes sense for a rematch because it wasn't at all a, a, um, a wide margin of victory um, mm-hmm. for uh, Joanna in her fight with Claudia. Um, that was a split decision, a very close split decision. Um, you know, most people scored it for Gadelha. I didn't, but most people did. Um, and that just kind of makes sense. It's easy. They already have, you know, the the build-up for that fight ready to go. They already have footage ready to go for that. So it just makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a, a Gadelha rematch I definitely see happening at some point is uh, you know, they got that late shot that they can play up to, the one that she landed after the bell. So, you know, there's a little bit of bad blood between those two. So it could happen, especially just because Gedalia is so talented. I mean, she's going to be fighting for the title at some point in the next year. Um, but I, I still think it's going to be Calderwood. I mean, Calderwood's got – she's from Scotland. So, I mean, you can push the same thing that you're, you know, hyping up with a daily – and I think However, with their striking think, styles, could be very. Yeah, fun. I mean, it be a, it would be a barn burner. Um, however, I think um, her her last um, Joe uh, Jojo Calderwood's last um, vi- uh, victory was over Hamdeley, Silva yep. Ham, I think so. Yep, um, Hamdeley Silva. And um, I don't think she quite has the resume behind her because she has that loss against uh, Rose. Um, it was on the show, that, though. It wasn't like... The UFC mm, counts them, I, I guess. So I don't know they, exactly they only how much count, that matters. They only count the semifinals. Okay. Oh, yeah, that that was a quarterfinal. Oh, well. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, you that might be the reason they don't make that fight. But uh, yeah. I love I love JoJo Calderwood. So yep. I'm... And I could, Tisha Torres. I could see Tisha Torres down the line, too. Yeah, no, I uh, I picked Tisha to win the Ultimate Fighter, yeah. which I thought really she would wrong, too. completely wrong, but um, I picked her to win that. Well, she won one fight <laughs> over Beck. That's it, though. Ugh. But man, yeah, I, I'm excited for that women's 115 pound division. Though they've got a lot of talent, and you look over at Invicta, and they have a bunch of really great 115ers. I mean, you got Kawal Kavitz, the champ, and then you got um, Alexa Grasso on the rise. I mean, she she could be fighting for the title within a year or two. Um, you also have um, Katja Kankenpa, whose name I'm pretty sure I just. Oh, yeah. I completely forgot about Kankinpa. She's the champ. Kowalkiewicz yeah. is not the champ. Um, yeah. And uh, so. she, her um, her last loss was against JoJo Calderwood. But um, yep. she pulled out her last fight in uh, in Invicta with a really, really clutch um, Darth 
near the end of yep. uh, round five. That was yeah ab- against Stephanie Eggings, who is a really good fighter too. So there's a lot of great talent at 115. Like I've I've gone out and repeatedly said that it's the the best women's division by a landslide. So I'm very very excited to see how it develops. But the problem is, I think I don't think anybody beats uh, Young Chechek. Young Chechek is just a monster. No, you're right. Um, she's gonna. But I said that about Pettis too. So we. I can't really, I can't really say for sure she's gonna reign at the top of the division. Um, but um, you know, yeah, she's she's a beast right now. She's she's just absolutely fantastic. And from what I can tell, she's above and beyond everybody else at women's uh, 115. Yeah, I completely agree. It's. Let's go talk over and move to the lightweight landscape. Obviously, we have a new champ in Rafael Dos Anjos, but man, he's only you know two fights removed from getting absolutely destroyed by Habib Nurmagomedov. Like Nurmagomedov did to Dos Anjos, what Dos Anjos did to Pettis. So, so what is? Are we just waiting to to until we can crown Nurmagomedov? Yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly what we're doing. Um, I think Khabib is gonna is gonna really absolutely crush him again, um, and I, I just think um, you know we're just we're just kind of killing time um, until until Khabib comes back. Um, put your absolute one-sided beating on Donald Cerrone, and uh, and then fight um, and then fight Dos Anjos and, and crushes him, and then mm-hmm. it'll be the the Habib show in 155. <laughs> yeah. So, I'm I'm really excited about Habib too. I mean, he he came out there and he was a little sloppy at first. I remember reading like guys that were I was really respecting in their ability to uh describe upcoming prospects and pick them out like who the best ones were and they were like you know, Habib has a great record. He's like nineteen and zero, but he's just too sloppy. Like he's too raw. He, he's he's just a wrestler, and like everything he does, like there's so much extra space. And and then the second he goes over to American Kickboxing Boxing Academy, they have just tightened his game, and he has become just an absolute wrecking ball. So, you know, major props to AKA for what they've done with. Uh, with Habib, but do you remember when we had uh, Javier Mendez on the show? Yes, it was like I did. right after he beat Kane, or right after Kane beat uh, Dos, Dos Santos. And uh, I remember him talking about um, Habib and just yeah, we we asked him who was the next big thing out of AKA, and he said Habib, hands down. Like it wasn't even like a hesitation. And I didn't and, believe it. And uh, and I'll say this: part of it might just be um, you don't really see athleticism um, like like his come into MMA uh, out of um, out of the United States. I mean, if you had his level of athleticism, you know, in ninety percent of the countries in the world, you'd be a big money professional athlete in some other sport. But um, mm-hmm. because you grew up in in Dagestan. Um, he went into wrestling, and 
has just been dishing beatings out ever since. That's not entirely true. I mean, as a lightweight, you're just not going to be able to compete in those other big boy sports, you know, basketball, football, and all that other stuff, and really make a name for yourself. I mean, the only way that the smaller guys can make a name for themselves is wrestling, boxing, kickboxing, and MMA, really, when you look at it. I mean, he's he's 155, but he cuts to 155. Yeah. Um, he's 5'10". He's not a small guy. Uh, How many 5'10 guys in the NBA? In the NBA? Uh, <laughs> I don't watch basketball. I don't watch any or of even... those fake dumb sports. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway... I, I, you know what's crazy is you're talking about these special athletes. I thought we had one already with Anthony Pettis. Like seriously, he looked so good on his way up to the title. Just the way that he tore through the division with Except Joe Lozon, and that was his debut. But uh, but then he had the fight. You know, just murdered Joe Lozon and Cerrone and then takes the title from Benson Henderson, and then he uh, finishes Gilbert Melendez in the second round with a submission. I thought this guy was untouchable. I really did. And, yeah, and basically, untouchable. Yeah, and basically, do you know what it was? Dos, Dos Anjos pulled the Michael Johnson game plan against Edson Barboza against him. He was he was almost um, he was almost performing the game plan that Gilbert Melendez was going to perform, and he was just able to do it so much better. Get in his face, don't give him a chance to readjust his game plan to what you're doing, and keep the pressure on him. And it worked uh, fantastically, was so well. And what's even more shocking is Dos Anjos had a knee injury three weeks before the fight. He was. This close, so, so close to pulling out of the fight. And he still managed to put a one-sided beating on Pettis. Yeah, that was the craziest thing of all, was hearing about that injury, because Rafael Los Anjos is a guy that has a history of poor cardio. Like, he has usually had trouble going three rounds. Like, he'll win the first two and then give up the third round and win the fight. Um... So it's unbelievable to me that he was able to go that hard and push that pace for five rounds and completely crush somebody that I thought was practically untouchable. Cordero is just absolutely churning out monster after monster um, out of his gym. Yeah, that, that was the second guy from Cordero's gym that had an incredible improvement and dominating performance at UFC 185. Uh, Benil Darius did the exact same thing against Darren Cruikshank on the preliminary card. I really thought that Cruikshank would have a big striking advantage, Darius would have the ground advantage, but Darius wouldn't be able to take the fight to the ground uh, because Cruikshank's wrestling. And instead, Darius is whooping on Cruikshank so hard on the feet that Cruikshank dumbass decides to start shooting in on takedowns against a world champ Brazilian jiu-jitsu player, and of course he takes his bag and chokes him out. I mean, and, unbelievable. Um, 
and the, the craziest thing um, about Darius is he's just a few fights removed from um, from uh, Alonzo to Ramsey. Uh, exactly. And um, got crushed and, by Ramsey Nijum. Oh, absolutely destroyed. Less than a round. He got finished in the first round in uh, in Abu Dhabi, and he mm-hmm. just made leaps and, and bounds. Um, yeah, sense. and then he beats Tony Martin, Carlos Diego Ferreira, and Darren Crookshank. Get back to back to back. Those are three solid wins. Like this guy, and I heard that he might be dropping down to featherweight. That would be a big cut for him. Um, he's, he's not, not a, a huge. Guy. He's not a huge lightweight. I don't think. I mean, he's five ten. I mean, that's he's not. Well, that's he's not nothing. a small well, guy. Tim Means was like six three fighting lightweight. <laughs> yeah, Tim Means is a, a skeleton wrapped in gauze. Um, oh, he's no Pablo Garza. <laughs> um, well, George Roop. <laughs> All right. Uh, I have some good news for you, Richard. Yep. Tony Martin just texted me and let me know that he is available now for whenever we want to call. So, you want to do that? Um, let's talk about uh, Johnny Hendricks and Matt Brown, and then we'll give him a call. Okay. I told him that we were going to wait a couple minutes and wrap up. Uf- we were wrapping up UFC 25. So, Okay. Uh, um, I thought Johnny Hendricks looked phenomenal. It was the perfect mixture of that, you know, devastating striking attack that he has, plus that national champion wrestling ability. He fused them very well. I still wish he could, he would be a little more aggressive when he does have people on the ground and not get stood up. Like, really work to get a good position and drop some bombs on the ground. Because you really never see that. I don't think any of his finishes have been from ground and pound after a takedown. I mean, the only time he's ever finished a guy on the ground is if he blasted him on the feet first. So that is something I would like to see. But I do like that aggression in his wrestling. And his conditioning was on point, too. I mean, he was going hard for three three rounds, 100 miles an hour. I I agree with that. 100%. I mean, there's really nothing more to say on it other than uh, who does Hendricks get, get next? Do you give him another title fight? Um, you know, do you do you give him uh, do you give him Lombard when Lombard gets back? You know, what's, mm-hmm. what's going to be next for Hendricks? Well, I think it'll depend on who wins the title between Lawler and McDonald. If McDonald wins, I think you go Hendricks for sure. If Lawler wins, maybe Hendricks. I mean, because he won convincingly against Matt Brown, and he looked good, but I don't know if he looked good enough in the UFC's eyes. Like, they want to see that guy that's just destroying people and getting finishes. Like, even Hendricks was disappointed despite, you know, a dominant showing. Well, yeah, you kind of wanted to see the the Hendricks that, that, you know, murked, um, John Fitch in 12 seconds. I mean, that, that's kind of what the UFC, you know, wants out of him. Mm-hmm. So, um, you want to run and grab, um, grab Tony Martin? Yeah, I'm, uh, 
setting up the tweet for when we get them. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to do that right now, actually. So while I'm doing that, uh, there was a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, mention, talk about Overeem, because that was a pretty impressive showcase that he put on against Roy Nelson. So I want to get your thoughts on on how Overeem performed with uh, mixing up his attack against Roy, uh, Big Country. Well, um, Overeem, you know, was really defensively sound against Roy Nelson, which I can't really blame him for. Um, Roy, uh, Roy Nelson is one of those fighters who uh, who tend to get dominated, um, or, or, or tend to be losing ninety nine percent of the fight until he wins the one percent of the fight that matters. Um, that's not you know a knock on Roy Nelson. That's just his style. He um, you know he takes a bunch of shots um, and and figures out a way to herd you into his uh into his ridiculous right hand. Um that's also what gets uh over him knocked out. It's what got him knocked out against Rothwell, it's what got him knocked out against Antonio Silva, it's what got him knocked out against Travis Round. I can't think of an overing fight in the UFC that, you know, Overeem wasn't dominating the entire fight, but he's lost like half of them. Um once again, that's not really a knock on Overeem. You know, he, he just gets gets overconfident, lapses a little bit defensively, and eats a big shot, like the front kick from Travis Brown, or the ridiculous punches from uh, Bigfoot. Um, so he, you know, for good reason, played it safe. And um, are you back, Brian? I am back. All right, you ready to roll? Ready to roll. All right. Well, without further ado, let's bring in our first and only guest for today's show. He is fighting this Saturday night on the main card of UFC Fight Night 62 in Rio de Janeiro, uh, Tony Martin. So, Tony, welcome back to the Verbal Submission, man. Hey, awesome. Glad to be back. Thank you guys for letting me come on the show and talk with you guys. Oh, Absolutely. It's our pleasure, as always, and uh, let's roll right into it. You've had quite a few things happen since we talked to you last. We're just going to go right down uh, the whole checklist. We're going to start with getting that monkey off your back. How did it feel to get that first UFC win? I mean, that was a pretty damn impressive showing against uh, Fabricio Camoish. Yeah, it felt great. You know, it was, uh, like you said, you know, it was a big fight, uh, very pivotal fighting my career with uh, getting back on the right track, putting everything together. You know, Fabricio, high-level grappler. I'm very confident in my grappling ability. So, you know, I was just glad to go out there and put on a performance after going back to the drawing board after the previous two fights. So I think uh, everything's looking good. Yeah, and, and obviously you had shown those glimpses in the previous two fights and then it all came together in the fight against uh, Kamoish. And I was wondering, did you feel different when you were in the cage? No, absolutely. You know, I took that fight on uh, three and a half or four four week notice. So, you know, I was always con- I was concentrating the whole time on remaining calm, staying calm. And actually, after the uh, Benil Darush fight, uh, I went to a doctor and. Uh, try to figure out some health issues. I ended up having uh, 
really bad acid reflux, which I was eating Tums like crazy all the time when I was cutting weight and all of that. So I was, uh, cause I was really wondering what was going on with my cardio situation where I felt great in training all the way up. And then, you know, the week of the fight, something was going wrong. So I, uh, addressed that issue prior to that fight and I felt phenomenal going in there and, uh, and I'm still on the same pills right now. And, uh, I feel like everything's lining up in the right direction now. Oh, excellent. And I know that most people aren't usually crazy excited to to go to Brazil to take on a Brazilian, but you've done it once, you're doing it again. Is there any kind of lesson or any tips that you picked up that helped you along the way no, last time that you're bringing? Yeah, absolutely. This time I'm uh, I'm packing all my food. Everything mm-hmm. I'm bringing with me. I have I got a food saver, so I have all my meat packaged, all my berries packaged, and I bought a nice cooler to put in there, and I'm uh, going to check that bag, and it's going to get there, and I'm going to have all all my essentials that I need because the biggest thing I was different there was the food. The food tasted different. It, uh, it was different, so it kind of was messing with my diet. And uh, so this time I thought ahead, planned ahead, and, have everything packaged and ready to go. Oh, excellent. uh, Yeah, so it's going to be the same arena, same hotel I'll be in, so everything's going to be familiar. And, uh, you know, I have great coaches coming down, so I'm uh, very excited to come back to Brazil and put on a show. Well, that's fantastic to hear, and I'm really excited to to see you continue that development. Now, I want to... talk about the next big thing that happened since uh you, you last talked to us you got married so how's life as a married yeah, I, man it's great you know it's uh right now it's not the greatest because i'm dieting and cranky and all that other stuff but uh no she's great she's been a great woman and uh she's one of the best parts of my life so it was uh a great day for me and her and Hopefully we have uh, many long years together and everything's going great. But, yeah, that was all planned beforehand, so I really wanted to get right back into to fighting after my last fight. But, you know, we had the wedding, and those are sacrifices that you make because, you know, I get married once, and, you know, I'll get married to her for the rest of my life. Oh, and then that's completely understandable, and, and you didn't waste any time. I mean, the second you had uh, you that you announced you were ready to fight, Somebody drops out of a fight, and then boom! Two days later, you're you're fighting, you're uh, stepping in there. So, was that just coincidence? Because I was looking through your Twitter, and you're like, "I'm ready. Let's let's do this." You know, I'm training. Let's get back to it. And then boom! Two days later, you're filling in for Matt Wyman. So, did UFC just see that post and go, "Hey, you know, you're ready. We might just have an opening for you." Or were you like aggressively pursuing it right then and there? No, I was actually, I was calling the UFC and I was telling them, hey, I'm ready to fight. You know, uh, my I'm, I'm on my diet, getting up, cleaned up. I'm in shape now. So when they called, you know, it was still uh, a shorter notice fight and uh, five and a half weeks, you know, with Matt Wyman getting hurt. And they're like, hey, do you want to go back? You know, you 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 did well last time, so it's going to be a great story. And uh, so I was just like, I you know, jumped on the opportunity because you never know when they're going to call you to fight next. And I definitely wanted to get right back into it, mostly when uh, my body was feeling good. I was good mentally and physically and in a great camp. So 
I think uh, it was a perfect fight for me and perfect stylistic matchup. So I think it's uh, you know, going to be a good show. Oh, it definitely should be. Now, is it a little helpful that you, you got an extra week and a half or so or two weeks compared to the last time you, you took the fight on short notice? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, last time I definitely was a little bit concerned with my cardio, mostly with uh, coming from the Benio fight where about three minutes into the fight, I couldn't breathe anymore and my cardio was done. And, you know, that's where I didn't know exactly how what went wrong, you know, and that's when I found out the medical thing. But you never you never know until you put it to use, you know, until you uh, give it another shot. So I was definitely nervous with the cardio aspect going into my last fight, not knowing if uh, my chest is going to be killing me before the fight again and all those other aspects. So this fight, you know, I'm very confident with uh, the new pills that I've been taking for my acid reflux, and I'm confident in the, my cardio. My training's been great. My striking's coming along very well. Uh, my grappling's great. I feel physically in the probably the best shape I've ever gone into a fight. Well, that's wonderful. And and also, you've now had a, a little more extensive time at the new facilities. I mean, you're training up in the Boston area at Sid Young Tong. Like last time, you were still pretty fresh and new with those guys. Um, you know, you were just doing the, the quick change of scenery. But now, you know, you're a little more established. So, you know, are you getting down to a, a rhythm with them too? Oh, absolutely. I See, the last fight, I moved out to Boston and to, to come out here and train in four weeks I had to fight right away so I didn't we didn't have a real connection you know they didn't even corner me for that fight so this one uh they're all coming out with me I've been working one-on-one with uh crew Mark Delgrati every day you know pushing me and Tyson Chartier there and I flew up Brock Brock Larson and still is in my corner and he's uh up here so you know physically I feel the best I've ever felt mentally I'm in the best spot I've ever been. I think that uh, I think we're going to see a lot of my evolution in the sport and uh, how I've evolved and keep getting better every time I get in the cage. All right, now I got a question from my co-host. He wants to know because he's from the the Northeast as well, and he wants to know how did you deal with and then in all capitals all this goddamn snow. <laughs> Whew, well, I'm from Minnesota, so yeah, that's true. Uh, there was a lot of snow in Minnesota all the time, and a lot colder in Minnesota. So, but this year actually it was crazy. I think the the winter followed me, and we had more snow in Boston than we had everywhere in Minnesota. So, but no, it's just a thing that you know it was kind of tough. With every Monday, it seemed like it was a, a snow day and two or three feet of snow. But the main thing was just staying on the diet, staying focused, watching film those days, and uh, just getting my mind mentally ready to fight. Awesome. And uh, something that I found interesting, you know, when they announced that uh, every single UFC 184 fighter had been, I believe, blood drug tested, you know, you were really excited about that. So is that just like something that you're passionate about is, you know, cleaning up the sport? Oh, I would definitely, absolutely love to, everyone to be clean, and I think that uh, every single fight card, that should be the standard that everyone's blood tested and 
I think random drug testing should be involved for sure. I think that uh, it's a big step in the right direction and uh, into, you know, cleaning up the sport, making the sport more uh, real to the general public. And uh, so when you're trying to bring it in there and a lot of people just think, you know, a lot of fighters are savages and, you know, so it kind of uh, separates the UFC from WWE if some people have those in the same area, you know. So it's kind of a – I think it's great for the sport to legitimize the sport. And, uh, you know, I've always been clean. I've never taken anything illegal in my whole life. So uh, it's uh, – I think it's a great step in the right direction. And I think they need to be more consistent in testing everybody and random drug testing because, you know, if you're trying to – you know, legitimize the sport to the general public. That's what, uh, you know, they need to see the sport as uh, clean and and respected as a sport instead of just uh, thinking we're savages and all that other stuff. All right, now I've got a conspiracy theory I want to fly by you. Brazil, when UFC first went there, uh, you know, a couple years ago, they were crushing everybody. Like, it was just so one-sided. They would have, like, one guy lose that was a Brazilian facing a non-Brazilian on the card every time. Like, it was just complete domination. And then they started doing a lot more drug testing, and all of a sudden, the Brazilians are getting their asses kicked. And then you go that last one, UFC Fight Night 61, we have the Brazilians, like, it's like 1 in 10. Uh, 10 underdogs win... And almost all of them are foreigners beating the Brazilians. So I was wondering, does that seem uh, conspicuous to you or a little bit? <laughs> uh, no, I, I don't think that. Uh, I think what's going on is just the evolution of the sport that everybody's so close now that, you know, there's very small things that separate these fighters. I felt like a lot of the other past Brazilian cards that there was just a lot of mismatches on the card, you know, they, I felt like uh, the Brazilians usually have the upper hand and always being the favorites, high favorites, because they're mismatched fights. And I think now what's going on is there's, they're, they're just the competition's so stiff that everyone's so close that what's going on is uh, everyone's better. Mm-hmm. So it's not there's very little things that are separating these fighters now, and it's harder to get bigger mismatched fights. Yeah, and, and I want to talk about you quick. Obviously, you know, starting out 0-2 in the UFC was tough, but does it lessen the load a little bit seeing that the two guys that beat you have had such solid performances in the UFC uh, since? I mean, Magomedov's, you know, knocking on the door of the top 15. He's 3-0, and 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 Darius just hits his three-fight winning streak uh, last night with uh, the win over Crookshank. I mean, those guys are looking like world beaters now. No, uh, it doesn't make me feel any better at all. I, yeah. I hold myself to a very high standard in fighting and my IQ and my my uh, how I push myself. And I'm not settling to to just be in the UFC. And, you know, I want to be, you know, top 15, top 10, top 5. That's uh, Those are the goals I set for myself. And, uh, you know, it definitely doesn't look bad for when they keep winning, you know. So, but... You know, I feel like uh, both were winnable fights, uh, and I just need to keep getting better every fight and keep showing up and bringing my A game and 
and uh, you know, hopefully someday, you know, I'll look back and say those those two fights changed my career for the better. Yeah, do you almost view uh, Rafael dos Anjos as an inspirational story? Because I mean, the, that guy, you know, came in, took his lumps early in his UFC career, had some tough losses, and then just kept grinding, kept getting better and better, and then bam, now he's freaking champion of your division. Yeah. It's- yeah, it's wild. It's definitely that's a guy that you watch, and you're every fight. You're like, yeah, I don't, I don't think he's gonna win this fight. I don't, I don't think he's got it. You know, over and over and over, and this guy just keeps winning and keeps winning that aggressive pressure that he was putting on Pettis and and uh, so those guys Henderson and you know he's a extremely tough guy, durable, strong, very talented. So I mean, like I said, you know, I'm just. Every every fight I need to get better. That's the main thing. Is every fight I need to add more tools, perfect my other tools, and and uh, just get in there and keep performing. And hopefully someday I'm where uh, Dos Anjos is. Well, you're off to a good start here with uh, by stepping in here to take on a guy in Santos who was a, an Ultimate Fighter Brazil winner, a popular fighter there. You get a main card slot for this uh, this upcoming fight. So do you kind of view this as the moment for you to really have a chance to, to break out if you go out there and perform the way you think you can because it'll be a, a little bit more exposure? Oh, absolutely. I, I think it's just a very pivotal fight in my career at the moment. You know, this is definitely by far the biggest fight of my career where, you know, I'm either going to go into, hey, this guy's a real fighter, ready to, he, he's ready for this top-level competition, or they're going to be like, okay, he's still a little raw. He needs a little work still. And uh, go back to the building stage. So I think this is a great fight for me to uh, let myself be known in the lightweight division in the UFC that I'm here to stay. And, and uh, as long as I get out there and put on a great performance for the fans and fight to my ability, I think that uh, this is a very winnable fight. And, and I can put a great show on it. Like you said, you know, he won the Ultimate Fighter, so he's got a good name. And uh, a lot of people follow him, so I think this will be a great fight, very pivotal in my career. Oh, absolutely. Now, uh, I, I checked out your UFC profile, and they always have those nice little survey questions that, that change a little bit depending on uh, who your com- your next fight is. And you had some really interesting things to say about Santos. I mean, you got a lot of respect for his ground game. Um do you think do you think this fight is going to be taking place a lot on the ground? I mean, both of you guys have uh, a lot of talent there. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, you know, he started out as a grappler since he was five years old, you know, so he's been grappling for 30-something years, and uh, he's a high-level black belt. You know, he's done one world. He's won the, the Brazilians open worlds, and and he's got, and he's beaten a lot of really good guys in the grappling game. And I think that, uh, you know, I hold myself to a high standard of grappling as well. But, you know, I think everything starts on the feet, though. You know, so everything's going to be set up from, you know, striking and wrestling, and then. So I think that uh, I wouldn't say a large part of the fight is on the ground, but I think uh, I'd be naive to think that we're not going to grapple at all. Cause, you know, our striking is going to be very similar in style in some ways, and. I think that uh, he's going to be trying to take me down, and I'm probably going to be trying to take him down sometimes while I'm setting up my strikes, setting up my shots. So I think that uh, 
overall it's going to be good fan, good fight for the whole entire game all in one. So, mm-hmm. you know, how important do you think uh, being ten years younger than this guy could be for you? Well, I, I think that uh, you know, usually the older you get, the your athleticism starts to go. That's just physics. That's just science. You know, so that's uh, that's just usually how it goes. But he's you know, the the sport of MMA is such a mental game as well, and so much knowledge goes into it that uh, I think you know he's gonna he's gonna be in all the bad spots. That if he's in the bad spots in the fight, he knows he's been there, done that, and uh, he might put me in spots I haven't been into. But I think that uh, overall, it's a great fight for me. I think that you know it's my time. I'm ready. I feel physically great. You know, like you said, you know, the two losses I had, those guys have been doing great in the UFC, and it angers me because I feel like I should have won both those fights. You know, so mm-hmm. I feel like I'm on that. I'm, I'm, I have that ability to be fighting at the top level in the UFC and in the world, and and uh, I just need to put everything together for this fight and show everyone, hey, he's got all the tools. You know, I have the striking, I have the grappling, I have the cardio, and I think uh, this is going to be the fight that... Uh, my coming out party it very well could be now uh, i got another really interesting question here a couple things just about your background you mentioned that um when you first became a a fan of mma it was because you went to a gym and you were rolling with like a flyweight and that guy just had his way with you i want i want to know like what was that experience really like like just to live it it was extremely humbling because at the time I thought uh, I was a world beater and uh, you know I was in college and was doing the drinking and partying and playing football and thinking I was this tough guy and getting into stupid fights and parties and beating people up and at the time I, I you know I thought I was tough and you know I had an attitude I was a young punk and and uh, someone told me about this gym where Brock Larson was training, and you know, I looked. I didn't even know who Brock Larson was, so I looked him up, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm gonna go in here and toss this guy around real quick." And uh, then I go into, I find the gym, I go in there, and like I said, a 125 pounder named Dan O'Neill was there, and uh, he was fairly about a year, year and a half of training only at the time, and he is submitting me every two minutes. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. And ever since then, you know, I never left. I've obviously, you know, he was submitting, so Brock Larson was just toying with me and tossing me around and whatever he wanted, he was able to do. So it was definitely a very humbling start to my uh, career. And, you know, I was still a young punk at the time. And, you know, I definitely took my lumps and gave my lumps. And, you know, it took me a while to pick on the, hey, this is really what I want to do. This is what I want to be. And uh, it took me a while to grow up. And finally, uh, you know, about around three years ago, I really realized, hey, this is it. This is what I want. You know, I want to be uh, a mixed martial artist. I want to be the best mixed martial artist in the world. So I've uh, changed a lot of my life. You know, I've changed uh, how I, my attitude, my training methods, uh, the people I surround myself with and, the standard I hold myself to and what I want to be in the future. Uh, that's ter- oh, that's yeah, terrific. Sorry, 
Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> Keep going. Okay. Uh, I was just going to wonder, what happened to Dan O'Neill? I looked him up while you were talking. Guy had went 3-0 yep. and as an amateur, slaughtered everyone in less than two minutes with with submission, and then dropped off the face of the earth. He's still a good friend of mine. Dan O'Neill, he's uh, he's in college right now, so he's he's about to graduate uh, in a couple months here. And he he's such a high level grappler, but the issue is where he moved. There's not uh, there's not a gym really to train at to ah. get prepared for a fight and whatnot. So he's he he'll probably start getting back into the game a little bit when he uh, once he graduates and starts working. And but he uh, such a great guy, and like I said, you know he. He pretty much was the the eye waking experience I needed in life. That's awesome. Now, uh, I've I've got another question that I I find interesting is, you know, you have a really solid ground game, and your favorite submissions are related to the arms. I mean, you had Magomedov in a world of trouble in that first round, and then of course you pull off the Kimura in your last fight. And I was wondering, what is it about those arm attacks that you just love? Oh, well, you know, I come Brock Larson. He he obviously uh has been a big push to that where his game has always been Kamara's and all that other stuff, you know, he has what is he, uh thirty nine and nine. He has about, you know, ten Kamoras on his resume there and and uh very high level grappling and he's really big in the Kamoras and they fit my style perfectly where I feel like my whole body moves with the Kamoras and the arm bars and once I get a hold of the arm, I feel like physically that these guys aren't strong enough to just rip out. So it comes down to straight technique when you when you get it, and I feel safe there. And I'm very uh, crafty at getting to those spots uh, from top or bottom or standing even. So uh, I think they just fit my style of grappling very well and long. Uh, so I think that that's probably what's pushed me to those. But I have a very I have a lot more in my arsenal than just the arm game that people have been seeing, you know. So I definitely, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like grappling-wise, I'm very good everywhere. I just need to make sure physically and mentally I'm good when I'm in the fight. Oh, absolutely, man. Oh, and, oh sorry. That was uh, – I, I had my thing right. on mute. <laughs> <'Cause> I, <laughs> my roommate had a dog downstairs. I don't know if you heard it bark earlier, so – it was barking, and I was like, all right, I'm not letting that interrupt Tony's awesome little uh, discussion here on, on arm attacks. <laughs> so, all right, uh, I got a couple last things here. Um, obviously, we had the turnover of the new year. I was wondering, you know, what are your goals for 2015? Is, is there anything specifically you really want to accomplish in MMA, in life, anything, uh, for uh, before the end of this year is over? Well, definitely, you know, for sure, I'd like to uh, obviously come out here and put on a great performance for everybody in the UFC. And I just, you know, like I've been explaining, is just I just want everyone to know that uh, after this fight that I'm here to stay. I, I don't want to be one of those guys that's always fighting for my job, and I want to feel secure in my job security and uh, in my growth of MMA and and uh, start. Uh, start my career off, you know, this year in the right direction and uh hopefully you know everything goes to to the way I think it should and 
you know, I, I'd like to be at the end of the year for sure, talking about breaking into the top ten and then uh, go from there. And uh, hopefully, obviously, the goal is always someday to fight for the championship. Well, that's terrific to hear. And uh, I guess the last thing I got for you, Tony, is a pretty simple one. We always like to ask it when somebody has a fight coming up. But when you're picturing victory on Saturday night against Leonardo Santos, what are you visualizing? Uh, Honestly, I've seen this fight. I've been visualizing it in my brain over and over. And uh, it's a tough one. I can't – I'm trying to figure out what is he going to do. Is he going to come out and try to – and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to worry about what I'm going to do. And I just see so many different scenarios of me hurting him on the feet or uh, and finishing him for my first TKO or KO of my pro career. Or, or maybe I hurt him and I take him down and I submit him right away. Or maybe he shoots in and I submit him. But I see every single scenario I see myself winning. And I, I think that uh, I think I'm I'm better everywhere. I think that. Uh, Maybe in a, a gi jitsu match, he might take me out, but uh, I'm very confident in my MMA grappling and think that uh, i got to win those little tiny battles of the wrestling and all those other little tiny battles that we end up getting to into the fight, and I just need to put everything together, but I definitely see a finish. I like to finish, and I don't want to go to the judges and take those chances. Yeah, and uh, take advantage of those mistakes, right? Yes, sir. All right. Well, uh, last thing before I let you go, Tony, uh, did you have any shout-outs, trainers, sponsors, anything like that? Yeah, actually, I'm I'm actually heading to Brazil. I have uh, five friends of mine and uh, teammates and coaches coming out. So uh, Mark Delagrati, Tyson Chartier, Black Larson, Nick Sieber, Tim Bichard, and then my sponsors for this fight, uh, got, uh, you know, skill, strength, fit your tongue, professional martial arts, performance compound, Cameron chiropractic, riddles, jewelry, Hayabusa, preferred financial services, integrated martial arts, waymark, wealth management, perfecting athletes, criminal steel. And, uh, you know, I'm just, uh, going in deep for this fight. And, uh, Deep Throne has sponsored me outside the UFC, so... I'm very grateful for all the guys that have been standing behind me, and I plan on going to Brazil and performing for all of them and and, uh, showing what I can do. Well, we're really looking forward to it, and I just want to say thank you so much for stopping by the show, Tony, and best of luck on Saturday night. Well, you know we'll be rooting for you, man. Awesome, brother. Thank you, guys. Hopefully talk to you guys after. All right. Looking forward to it. Thanks, Tony. Yep. 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 Bye. Bye. All right, that was Tony Martin dropping by the verbal submission for a good solid 35 minutes, I think. That was a lot of fun. What would you think, Richard? I enjoyed it. Um, He's training out of a great camp, and uh, obviously made some improvements um, over the last couple of fights with switching over to that camp. I'm looking forward to see what he can do with a, uh, a, a uh, a full training camp behind him. Except he won't have a full training camp. He took this fight on short notice. Yeah, four weeks instead of three weeks still helps. I think he gets five. I think he gets five. So that's the bonus. (laughs) Uh, But, yeah, I I think that he is really coming a long way. 
Uh, Jerry just messaged me asking what the call-in is, so I'm going to tell him. Um, so hang on. So I might, I might as well just tell anybody if they're listening, if they want to call in. It's uh, 347-850-8386. If anybody wants to call in and just bullshit with us, we got another half hour that I could potentially go. I'm probably only going to go another 15 minutes, but uh, it is it is there. Okay, so anyway, we, we're going to go back to UFC 185 because there's still some more stuff I want to talk about with that card because, I mean, there is a lot of crazy shit that went down for that. So, Richard, I want to talk about the prelims. Who impressed you the most on the prelims out of those seven finishes? Um, (laughs) uh, Ryan Benoit, uh, or Benoit, I heard it pronounced both ways, Um, you know, coming back and just flatlining Sergio Pettis, Um, and then following it up with with a kick to the butt, but... um, you know, aside from that, he was getting dominated that fight, and he came back. You know, landed um, landed a big shot, dropped Sergio, and then swarmed on him. Um, you know, for what it's worth, Duke Rufus, uh, his camp recently has been going through quite a bit of a slump, and uh, that was just start of a bad night for him. Sorry, dog was barking, so I muted it. <laughs> uh, for me, I think it's got to be Joseph Duffy. I mean, he's the, you know, they're hyping him up as the last man to defeat Conor McGregor, and they obviously gave him a really easy fight with Jake Lindsay, a guy that was 0-2 in the UFC, both, been finished both fights, and he took care of business. He came in and absolutely slaughtered Lindsay, and then just finished him up with some a head kick and then a, some big follow-up strikes. Lindsay stood no chance in this fight, which is what was to be expected. I mean, he was a, Duffy was a huge favorite for a reason, but it was nice to see him live up to the hype. And I think he did announce that he was going to try to go down to, to featherweight. So that could set up the ultimate rematch for the title, 2016, Duffy versus McGregor. Uh, possibly, but um, he is quite a ways from the fight. Um, it was uh, it was for us that said that it wasn't so much um, it wasn't so much that Duffy said it. His corner uh, came out and said it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's a great idea. I mean, he has a fast track to the top at 145 that he doesn't have at um, at 155. You know, he gets two or three wins at 145 on top of uh, his last victory. And um, he could find himself in title contention just because of that one win from uh, earlier in his career. Uh-huh. And I think uh, you got to give a shout-out here to Ross Pearson. I mean, that was a picture-perfect knockout of Sam Stout. I mean, both the guys were coming off a tough TKO and knockout losses in their previous fight. But, man, Ross blasted him with that left hook. That was... Beautiful. Oh yeah, that was picture perfect. And right as Joe Rogan was calling for the left yep. hook, he landed a beautiful left hook. And um, 
you know, it should Sam Stow should really look at, at, at hanging his gloves up. Um, he doesn't yeah. quite have the the same durability um, that he had earlier in his career. Um, yeah, what what sucks is he actually was looking pretty good in that fight. I mean, he was outmatched against Ross, but the first round was competitive, and Stout was uh, you know fighting more technical. He was moving in and out. He was doing some good things. He even landed a couple good shots. Just you know, Ross was just the better fighter, and as you mentioned, his chin isn't what it used to be. I mean, this is what this is a guy that I don't know if he'd ever even been dropped in the UFC, and now in back-to-back fights, he's been absolutely knocked to you know kingdom come. No, uh, absolutely, and I don't mean not to to trash Sam Stout. Um, no, absolutely Sam not. I mean, the guy's that was his nineteenth fight. In the UFC, yeah, and the guy's uh, been around he, forever. He he's been around since UFC fifty eight, mm-hmm. um, and that that's ancient history. Um, yeah. His down. problem though is he's yeah. nine and ten in the UFC now. Uh, he's, he just has never really been able to, to string along enough wins to become a contender, and it's pretty obvious now he never will. And I just. You know, I don't want to see him. I don't mind seeing one more fight. You know, throw him on there, and in Canada or something. You know, let him get one last hurrah in the in the great up north. But um, I, I definitely think that he's about done. I mean, this is having uh, parallels of uh, you know the end of guys like you know Mac Danzig, some other lightweights that you know had some pretty good careers, but uh, just couldn't quite get there. And I I wouldn't be opposed to him. Um you know, closing out his career um, with, you know, one or two fights in Bellator if the UFC, you know, wants to cut him. Um, and um, he picked up two or three, you know, low main card fights on Bellator. Um, it wouldn't be wouldn't be bad. The, the competition level would be manageable for him. So um, that might be a, a next step for him. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if uh, UFC would cut him. I think they'll keep him around until he's done. I mean, he's only lost two in a row. He was basically alternating wins and losses for his last, like, five or six fights. So we'll see what happens with it. Um, that actually really describes his career, alternating wins yeah. and losses. Yep, That's... yep. All right. Any any last things you want to talk about with uh, UFC fight, uh, UFC 185? Um, no, no, that that's pretty much it. All right. Well, uh, anything you want our listeners to check out in the upcoming uh, week or, you know, when they're done with this show, is there anything you want them to look at? Uh, well, one thing I've been diving into is watching um, people from other countries try American snacks on YouTube. I don't know why I can't stop watching <laughs> these videos. But I watch them all the time, and I take way more enjoyment in it than any adult male should. Um, I, I love them, and everybody else should watch them. Awesome. And uh, for me, um, I don't think I stumbled across anything too crazy lately, so I would say uh, set your DVRs tomorrow for Better Call Saul. It's one of the better shows on television right now. It's the spinoff from Breaking Bad, and... Uh, about the the lawyer and it's a prequel 
So they get to bring in characters that were from Breaking Bad before they were on the show, maybe guys that got killed in Breaking Bad. So you get to see a little more development and some of your favorite characters, and it's a lot of fun. And it's the same writer, so you know it's going to be really good. So I would check it out. It's one of my favorite things on television right now. Well, uh, on that note, um, you know, it's off for the next couple of weeks, but um, no. you know, a good chance to catch back up is um, is uh, Gotham. Which oh, I okay. I thought you were talking about Better Call Saul was. But, yeah, I know. No, I, no, I, no. My little brother got me on Gotham. I've watched every episode. It's pretty fun, too. Yeah, it's, it's probably the only TV show I, I have to watch live. I don't even DVR it because I have no patience. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I was all excited to go watch Gotham with my brother on this past Monday because he asked me to come over and watch it, and it was a rerun. <laughs> yeah, it's well, off until April. Yeah, they're, I don't know when, like I guess it's their mid-season finales and stuff. Um, they they got uh, extended at the end of the um, uh, at the end of twelve episodes. They got extended to sixteen episodes, and then they extended it again to twenty because it's so good. Mhm. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I like that main character from Gotham ever since the OC. That used to be my crack. I don't know if you ever used to watch that on Fox, old school. Not at all. Yeah, I used to watch the OC like every episode. I would set aside a time when it aired live. It was ridiculous. And it was only the first season that I was like that. But it was I enjoyed it that much. <laughs> I didn't really tune after like the second season, but um I really did like that show. <laughs> All right. Well I think that'll do it for the show today. So huge thank you to Tony Martin for stopping by and giving us so much of his time in advance of his huge upcoming fight in Brazil at the end of the week. And uh, make sure to tune in. Same time, same place next week. We have our 200th episode. So I'm going to be working the phone lines really hard. I want to try to book some great fighters for that 200th episode. Um, A lot of people that maybe we haven't talked to before. So a lot of fresh faces. And, of course, Richard's going to miss it. So that's even better. So if you don't Richard, make sure to tune in next week. We'll have a big blowout special party without him. And... Uh, you can follow Richard on Twitter at high underscore light. You can follow me at Brian Hemminger. Check out the verbal submission on Twitter, verbal submit. And, of course, we have the verbal submission Facebook page. And uh, that should do it. Uh, same time, same place next week. And uh, what time is it right now, uh, Richard? It is code angle time. You're damn right. <laughs>